it's time to kickstart your confidence. In this podcast, you will hear open and honest interviews with business owners and like-minded people who have struggled and then how they've overcome their own issues. Listen to their real-life struggles and personal accounts of how they've changed their lives and continue to do so on a daily basis. Get rid of stress, own your own space and thoughts. It's time to take control, build your personal health and well-being improve as you travel with us on this journey. And now your host, former British champion, owner and chief instructor of Hastings Kickboxing Academy and third Dan Black Belt, Carl Denning. So today I'm here with me. That's right. And we're going to do a podcast today about myself. And I'm here with my good friend Stuart Bailey. Um, we've trained together on and off for many, many years. He still uses my gym every weekend uh, to this day. He is the owner, editor, and all-round guru of Hastings in Focus online paper, which is doing extremely well. Um, but today we're turning the microphone around and it's going to be on me. So we've got a nice, long, open interview. I have no idea what he's going to ask me, um, but a lot of people have asked to hear about me. And obviously I can't just talk about myself. So um, obviously I invited you along to interview me. And here we are. So um, yeah, I've got my tea, I've got my water. Um, let's see how we get on. And because the subject is bullying. Yes. Because it's a subject that's dear to your heart. Very, very dear to my heart, yes. I mean, Hastings Kickboxing Academy, one of the, one of the basics, one of the, the fundamentals there is the whole anti-bullying philosophy. And that comes out something very personal because you were bullied as a kid. Yes, yeah, um, very heavily bullied. Um, from probably, I say day one. That's that's hard to kind of say, but I would have, I would have said I was aware of it, kind of in the middle of junior school, mm. so age eight nine, um, and back then it was I say it was pathetic bullying. It was really quite hard. Mentally, not physically. So, you know, yeah. people talk about emotional bullying and physical and emotional bullying. Um, to start with, it was quite emotional. So, to the silly little things, I wasn't allowed to play in their games. So, you know, we'd be playing catch and I'd want to play catch, but I wasn't allowed to play catch because I wasn't one of the cool kids. Um, and it kind of started there, really. And things over weeks, over months, even over years can, can compound, I find. So, obviously, you know, you see it every day now, you know, the the little friendship groups, they come and they go, and this is nothing new. Um, and to start with, you, there might be people going, well, he wasn't allowed to play catch, oh boo-hoo. That wasn't the bullying then. Mm. That was just, I wasn't allowed to play with my mates or I wasn't allowed to be in the group. Mm. Um, and there were days when I was allowed and there were days when I wasn't allowed. Yeah. And then as we got older, it got a little bit stronger, it got a little bit heavier, you know, it turned violent, you know, I'd get chased around and playing around, I'd get punched and kicked. Yeah. Uh, the hardest thing really was one day they were friends and then the next day they just wanted to kick me in the shins. Or You, you mentioned that, but you go back to the game of catch and one day you'd be allowed to play, one day you wouldn't. And that's almost more difficult because you don't quite know what you're turning up to on any given day. Yeah, you don't, you don't know where you fit because mm. every day is a challenge, every day is a test because you would go into school and go, oh, I've bought my ball, you know, and uh, but anyone of my age will probably remember this, you had a Coca-Cola, little footballs, mini footballs, mm -hmm. and um, like the yo-yo spinners, and they, they were huge when we were at school. And I remember like trying to get as many tokens as I could to buy the ball, to take the ball to school, so everyone would want to play with my new Coca-Cola ball. And there'd be days when I would be 
They'd be like, oh yes, play with Cole's ball. And then the next day they'd want to steal my ball. Yeah. And I wasn't allowed it back. So was there an element of that, the trying to do things to become the, the bully's friend? So you, you, you got the tokens, you got the ball, because if I get that... Yeah, 100%. percent wipe me in the group. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, yeah, it was a challenge, hmm. I think. Because you want to be with the cool kids. Everyone does. Like, that's... That, you can't escape that. No matter, you want to be with the popular kids. Everyone wants to be popular. Mm-hmm. Or 90% of people want to be popular. Some people are happy. Show me someone who says they don't want to be popular and I'll show you Exactly. Popular. It's a bit like saying, um, I don't want to be rich. Yeah. You know, money doesn't make you happy. No, money does make you happy. Yeah. I'd rather be poor and happy, mm-hmm. but I'd rather be have money and be happy yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, you want to be part of the cool kids. You want to be part of the cool, the cool gang. And I, you know, there was days when I could be because I had the right ball. Mm-hmm. And the hacky sacks was another game we used to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember we used, to, uh, we used to try and throw the balls on top of the tower block. It was like yeah. a 50 foot high tower block. And, you know, the, the challenge was to try and get the ball on top. Yeah. And then I remember every six months the fire brigade would come down and get all the balls down. <laughs> but um, that, that was kind of the challenge. Um, and it's, it's, when you say now, it's them silly little games, but at school, that's all you had. Like, yeah. As a junior school, that's all there was. There was playtime, group yeah. time, and then obviously using class learning. You, I mean, we've been working on the, the book that you're doing at the moment, yeah. and in that, you poke fun at yourself. And, and you've done this in other places as well, and, <laughs> and you, you poke fun at the fact that you're a ginger, yeah. that as a kid, you'd have, you know, we, what you define as, as, as a bit of a weird haircut. Yeah, but it was probably fashionable at the time. Uh, <laughs> no, just weird. <laughs> but you, was it, you know, what, what did the bullies use to target you with? Was it the fact, what, was it being ginger? Was that, uh, 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 what, what did they use? What was, what was the ammunition? I don't think it was because I was directly ginger, but it in turn was in respects to I wasn't the norm. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I was, I remember when I was at um, Sandown at my very first like, infant school, there was like one black kid in the whole school. So she got picked on every single day. And I, I say I remember, I don't, I remember little parts of it. I was only mm. four years old, but my parents used to tell me I used to stick up for this little black kid all the time, the only black school in, in the school. Yeah. So it, he got picked on because he was a different colour. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there's people that shoot me saying I can't say black, but you know, yeah. we were white, he was black, that's mm-hmm. how it was. So kind of moving forward from that, I was one of uh, you know, five in the whole school that yeah. had um and people say, you know, it was like a big afro-y, you know, my parents didn't understand about having cool clothes and nice haircut. They couldn't afford yeah. for me to go and get my hair cut every week. Yeah. So I'd get my hair cut once every six weeks when mm-hmm. the local hairdresser come around and cut our hair for like two quid. Yeah. So I'd have my hair cut and it would look okay. And then six weeks later, it's just this big ball of ginger, ginger mess. Um, it's like an Afro, but a fluffy ginger one. You know, I'd like pillow perm when I woke up. Yep. And you know, my parents would never say to me, oh, you need to like comb your hair out or look good. They'd be like, well, get up and go to school. Yep. And like, a lot of the time they'd gone to work before I'd even gone to school. So I didn't even have that sort yourself out kind of thing. Um, you know, my mum and dad didn't work in offices and didn't say they didn't want to look good but they were gardeners Mm -hmm. so they wore dirty clothes and dirty boots and you know they didn't have to shower morning lunch and night to wear a suit and a tie Mm -hmm. and look good so to them it wasn't important therefore it wasn't important for them for me to look that way so when I went to school I was just the scruffy kid I guess yeah you know I never I always had the cheap shoes from the market Mm -hmm. whereas all my friends had like 60 pound kickers yeah and that was the cool thing and I had either hand-me-downs from my brother 
or 4 99 shoes from the market. So I was the kid with the shoes from the market. And I suppose given your age, because you're, what, 40 this year or next year? 40 this year, yeah. I was given your age, that was the point at which brands were becoming a big thing. Definitely. What brand you were wearing, or what brand you weren't wearing, yeah. was, was, again, that set you apart from, from other people. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose that perception of wearing something that wasn't as good so therefore that was just something else to have a go at you about. Yeah, and you know, we're talking like the, sort of in the middle of junior school. They would pick on everything. Yeah. Stupid hair, pillow perm, rubbish coat, rubbish shoes, rubbish football. Mm. And then you come in with a good football and all of a sudden you're one of the cool kids again because you've got a good football. For about a day. For about a day, <laughs> yeah. And then the next day they'd steal it. Yeah. And then they'd realise that they'd have power over you anyway. Um, so that, I mean that, Again, I don't know why, I just had a, a memory of standing on the naughty spot. So at Silverdale, where I went, they had the yellow spot. So when he was naughty, you had to go and stand on the yellow spot. Um, like five minute time. Yeah. That, you know, you'd stand there staring, like staring at the wall, count the bricks kind of thing. Um, and you didn't dare to move. And the kids that were on them spots, they were like, oh my God, like, this is in the days when, you know, if you were naughty, you were told off and it was strict and you yep. worried about yep. the headmaster and teachers shouting at you. Obviously, it's a bit different nowadays. Um, but yeah, he was on that, the, na the naughty spot. And I remember towards the end of Silverdale, I used to go in there quite a lot because I was always in fights. Mm -hmm. And it, it was just me trying to protect myself. Yep. I wasn't, wasn't trying to fight. It was like three or four kids were trying to beat me up. So yep. eventually you end up kicking and punching back or yep. arguing or screaming or shouting. And then obviously the teachers come over and you get going and put on the naughty spot. I mean, we opened this up by saying that at HKA, the, the anti-bullying message is a very clear one and it's something that you work on with schools as well yeah. outside of HKA. Going back to your school days, I'm assuming there wasn't the level of awareness of bullying that there is today or if there was, did teachers just turn a blind eye to it? Yes, uh, you're correct. Um, but it's very difficult that you've got two sides of the coin now. So you have back then so there wasn't bullying, of course there was bullying, but there was, there was nowhere near the amount of kind of help, support, network, um, understanding that we have nowadays. We have so much more kind of help and processes in place to deal with bullying as we do at HKA. But on the flip side of that, you can get, we, we had it today, so um, we had two teams of children, excuse me, playing dodge glove. So like dodgeball with, with boxing gloves. And then, Obviously, as they went out, you ended up with three on one. So three of them threw a glove at the one to yep. get to get him out. He got hit in the face. Then he started crying. And then he said that he's been bullied. Yep. We're like, well, why are you being bullied? And he's like, well, them three picked on me. And it's like, well, no, that was the game. You know, there was five on each side. You know, you slowly got out. That's yep. the game. And then there was three on one. Their job, them three, is to throw the glove at you to get yeah. you out. Yeah. It just happened to hit you in the face a little bit hard, <laughs> which is where the shock fact comes in. Yeah. But his brain went to, well, they were, they were picking on me. They were bullying me. Mm -hmm. Well, no, they were just playing the game. And the rules of the game is throw the glove at the other team member. Yeah. And let's be honest, three on one, you're going to get him out. Yeah, exactly. Very quick. <laughs> but his mindset wasn't being bullied. Yeah. Um, and again, I don't know if that's a, a, a parenting thing, a, a, a teacher thing, an online thing. but. In his head, they were picking on him mm. when they were not picking on him yep. at all. But that's kind of where his brain went to. So we've now got the other side of the coin where it's gone too far the mm. other way. Oh, someone's called me. Oh, I had this a couple of weeks ago. 
Uh, a parent come in, they wanted to chat to me, son's been bullied at school. And it, again, I'm happy to speak to anyone about it all the time. So we went in the office, sat down, and um, I said, okay, right, what's the problem? It's obviously quite severe, he wanted to talk to me. Um, yeah, one of his friends called him a poo-poo head. Right, okay. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, right, I'm sorry that he's called you a poo-poo head. <laughs> But that's not bullying. In the grand scheme of things, kids yeah. being kids. Yeah, you know. And I suppose there's there's a fine balance somewhere there. Yeah, and that's the balance that I think has got blurred and or lost. Yeah, and one that has to be kind of looked at. So you obviously you get you get lots of bullying now, and like the violence has gone up, the anger has gone up, the you know the social media presence has gone up. So bullying has got a hundred times worse. And I'm so glad I'm not a teenager growing up now, because yeah. I would have been. Target 101. <laughs> I suppose in, in, in your day, once you left school gates at four o'clock, there, there was nothing, nothing to Well, do. you know, you had to walk home that was a bit of a... Well, yeah. Uh, you know, I had to contend with that at times. Um, I mean, that, that was going to be my next question. And, and, and still going back to junior school, so you know, while you're, you, before you've, you, you've hit teenage years, yeah. so going, going back to the junior school days, outside of school, you know, what were you doing in terms of your circle of friends outside of school? Was the one who were they? Were they bullying you in school but being friends outside of school? What, what was yeah, there? good question. Um, yes and no. Mm -hmm. um, so outside of school, I didn't have many friends. Um, I had a handful of friends that, that I would call friends, um, and most of them are still friends today. Um, and there were days where Back in the day, you would finish school, go home, and you'd go out and play. Mm. And the rules were, I think we, like we shared a video the other day, when, uh, when do you want me home? When the street lights come on. Yeah. That, you know, oh, yes, when it gets yes. dark. So obviously in the winter, it was earlier than summer. So we'd just go and play football. Um, or we'd plan a garden, or we'd plan on push bikes, or we'd go and build a camp. But I remember going down to Alexandra Park with my dad's wheelbarrow with a bow saw, <laughs> hammer and a box of nails and some wood and we would go and build a camp oh, yep. Christ knows what we look like and then we'll wheelbarrow loads of tools yep. but we would just build a camp um, because that's what you've done back then um, and then we used to take our bikes and make ramps so I had a circle of friends most of the time they were friends mm -hmm. you know you would have you know, all friends fall out yeah. so you know we had our fallings out and you know, one minute we were friends then we were shouting each other then we mm -hmm. were friends again um, I was quite lucky because my parents worked a lot and they quite relaxed my mum and dad become mum and dad for most of my friends Right, okay. So, we would go later on when I'm a teenager later on, but yeah. people would come around my house, they'd have a sleepover, we'd have a sleepover, and it would be like, oh, sleepover at Coles? Yeah. Because mum and dad will allow it. Mm -hmm. Everyone else's mum and dad's like, no, you ain't having your mates around, you can go around Coles. We're not having them around, yeah. Yeah, we'd like, you know, stand up till two o'clock in the morning making noise. Yeah. So, um, but they'd come around and have dinner, they'd, they'd just walk in the house, they'd go up to my bedroom, they'd turn on the computer, whatever computer I had at the time, and yeah. you know, they'd sit there and they were like brothers rather than just a friend um and you know as you get older your sort of circle of friends changes slightly but us, you know most of my sort of close friends are still still close friends today and in those days i mean you you, you mentioned earlier that as things went on it became violent but in those early days was it verbal was it just that exclusion um how did it manifest itself um it started off as exclusion um, it started off with name calling and you know you're a skank, you've got rubbish hair, yep. you know you've got no money, your parents are skanks, that mm. kind of thing. <clears throat> and over the over the years, it kind of it kind of escalated. Yeah. Um, 
and then that you know there I remember two of them on about now um, but yeah I remember they would it would turn into sort of kicking me in the legs mm-hmm. slapping me around the face pulling me by my hair yeah um, pulling you over by your bag and just kind of embarrassing you yeah um, but I can say that now yeah back then I was getting my head kicked in yeah but I wasn't really getting my head kicked in they were just embarrassing me making me look stupid throwing me on the floor kicking me while on the floor I mean I had an older brother that used to beat bells out of me mm-hmm. for fun um, one of my issues is when I get nervous, I laugh, mm-hmm. um, and it's got me in trouble <laughs> with my mum and my dad. And, you know, my first ten kickboxing fights, I was laughing my head off all the way through. People thought I was insane, um, but it, it was a nervous laughter. Yep. So if a teacher shouted at me, I'd laugh, mm-hmm. and it wasn't because I was laughing at them. It was generally I was shitting myself, but yeah. I, I had to laugh. And um, so when I took a bit of a beating, I'd be laughing my head off. So they thought I was enjoying it. So do we're not well. Upset. I can only assume yes. we're, we're not upset him yet. So let's yeah. He's not crying yet. Let's continue kicking him. And I was quite resilient, and I could take a bit of a beating. And when we talk about the sort of senior school stuff, I, I think the other thing that you don't realise until later is that there's probably a number of people watching on who kind of wanted to intervene and help, but would have been afraid to do so. Yeah, um, I guess so. You know, I don't know because they never did. Yeah. Um, and I think back then, if it, you know, if there was a bit of a scuffle, people just kind of left alone into yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like, I think I do, that, that is one good thing. I think a lot of people do stick up for other people a little bit more now. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm certainly seeing that more. Yeah. Whereas a lot of people buried their head in the sand. And just blacked off and disappeared. And that, yeah. Um, and then what you might do is the next day you might get, oh, I didn't like what Steve done to you yesterday. Yeah. And you're like, well, where was you yesterday? Yeah. Cheers. Um, but, you know, it's... In my head, that's why well. it's not your issue, it's not your problem, then thanks. And as moving on as, as you get to secondary school, because secondary school presents challenges because you're going into a much bigger environment. Yeah. You're not just with the people who you were with at primary school, there are all these other primary schools coming together as well. Yeah. So, all these new people that you don't know, and again, new friendships being formed. Yeah. So, it, in the run-up to starting secondary school, was that, I can't really, were you nervous about it? Were you worried oh, about it? Petrified. Petrified. Um, I tried karate when I was six, seven. Mm. I tried boxing, got beat up, went back to karate a year later and mm. it scared the hell out of me. The instructor was screaming at everyone. I was like, oh, I don't want to go that. Yeah. Um, I've tried gymnastics and mm. you know, all the kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, going into senior school, I was like, junior school was hell for me. Mm-hmm. So going, you know, from a little pond to a big pond, right. I, in my head it was just going to get worse. Yeah. Which it did. Yeah. yeah do you know what I mean? Um, but I was worried about it, quite concerned. And again, only having a small circle of friends. Yeah. Obviously you didn't have any social media. You had no one helping yeah. you. No, you know, you talk about bullying, but no one really kind of got on board with it. It was mm-hmm. just, oh yeah, you've been bullied. Man up. And did your circle of friends, did, did they move to the same school as you or were you... I'd say half and half. Yeah. So half of them went to the Grove, which is obviously no longer about, yeah. uh, and the other half was William Parker. Yeah. Um, and when I say group, we're talking six or seven, not, yeah, not big many. numbers. Yeah. So you move up to William Parker, you have what, 11? Yeah, 11. just gone 11, yeah. That was about the same time that you took up, well, Kung Fu, and then which way you to kickboxing? Yeah, so I, I, I wanted to stick this in the story anyway. So uh, a good friend of mine, Daniel Jarvis, I've just come back from Canada snowboarding and we had a photo together before I left. And he 
went, oh my God, look at this picture. And there's a picture of mine and Dan's first sparring, mm -hmm. which was when we was 11. Yeah. And it's literally the identical photo, just 30 years on, <laughs> <laughs> um, which, is, which is insane. And, but anyway, the reason I started kickboxing is because I went to William Parker and come, become friends with Dan. Uh, we didn't kickbox then and he moved house. So at the weekend when he moved, I had nothing to do. So I said to his mum and dad, well, I'll help move. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm doing nothing, I'll help you carry boxes. So they moved into town, down in Robinson Street in the town centre. Uh, and that wasn't Claremont, around the corner from Robinson Street. And we were unloading a load of boxes and his mum, Kathy, who's still a great friend of mine today, um, she said, can you go down the shop and get some milk? So I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, I've never been to town, you know, it's exciting. So I walked down the, down the road to get some milk and there was a Hastings Martial Arts, mm -hmm. which is obviously where I went into, spoke to the instructor mm -hmm. and kind of the story went on from there. But that was how I started kickboxing. Mm -hmm. He moved house, I helped. I went into there for many reasons, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then I started kickboxing, I started Kung Fu and yeah. then kickboxing. And then I was like telling all my friends, oh my God, you've got to come to Hastings yeah. Martial Arts. Oh my God, it's like amazing. Um, and some come and go, but Dan was one that come and stayed. Um, and we've been friends, like real good friends ever since. I mean, you going over the, the things that you did, you tried karate, you tried boxing, kung fu, yeah. kickboxing. Was there an element of doing those fighting sports as a form of self-defense? Somewhere in the back of your mind thinking, if I do this, I can either beat the bullies up myself or it might actually stop them bullying me because they're going to think I'm a bit too Yes, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that was at the forefront. Mm -hmm. um, it was more, I think more of an escape to focus on something positive. Yep. So school was negative. You know, some of my life at home was negative. Yep. So I think I needed something positive. And the second I walked through the door, I felt positive mm -hmm. for whatever reason. So I think for me, it was kind of, oh, I like it here. I can be me here. So yep. that's why I kind of went there. And then as I got good at it, I think I was like, oh, I feel better about myself. Oh, I feel a little bit stronger. Oh, I probably could stick up for myself. Yeah. And I think probably that's where the fire ignited for it. So it wasn't a, I'm going to go kickboxing and learn to fight so I can beat the bullies up. Yeah. That, you know, which is, you know, again, you do get that a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, that definitely wasn't at the front of my mind. And you've also talked in the past and written in the past about the fact that you really, from the age of 11, you were spending huge amounts of time at the gym. Mm. And is that you, you mentioned there, school was negative, the gym was positive. So was that why you were spending so much time there? Because you were getting this kind of positive, Definitely. really you know, upbeat, it was making you feel good. Yeah, um, it doesn't matter if you're four years old or 44 years old, or if you're at school or work or college, we want to feel good, don't we? You know, who wouldn't want to be on this planet and not feel good? Yeah. So for my mind, it was like, well, school is a negative mm. in my head. Um, and the gym was a positive. Yep. So it made perfect sense to me mm. to spend as much time as I could at the gym. Um, you know, I was around decent people. I was around motivated people. My instructor was a hero to me. Yep. Um, everyone that trained pretty much were decent people. Mm. Um, you know, they're all there for the same reason. Um, I used to leave, I used to go to school and I used to rollerblade from school to mm. the gym. You know, it wasn't like, oh, mum, pick me up. They were still at work. Yeah. Like, if you want to go to the gym, get there yourself. So two-mile skate down into town. And if I was lucky, I'd get picked up afterwards at nine o'clock. But I mean, sport and, and martial arts in particular are a great leveller. 
Mm. Um, and so again, having come from that, I suppose where you're, you're a bit afraid of what's going to happen, afraid of what's going on at school. So to come to somewhere where you can feel on a par with everybody else, yeah. and they're probably treating you, yeah, I wasn't, par, yeah, must 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 have been quite. That was lovely. I wasn't a stupid ginger kid. You yeah. shit loads. <laughs> so you so you, so you're there. So you you've 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 found Hastings Martial Arts. You've also gone into this bigger school, and from what you're saying, bullying was about to get turned up a notch. Yeah. So when I went to jun- when I went from junior school to senior school, the the bullies kind of continued, and I, I'll tell you about another story about so the, the, the same ones or different ones. Or no, the, same, or the same ones. The same ones. The extra zaddies. with plus M8s. Yeah. Um, and again, I. I don't want to sound like a moan about it because I've never moaned about it at all. It's, it's kind of made me who I am now. So yeah. I'm actually thankful for it now. Yeah. But back then, they would... Um, yeah, it was just them and then their friends. So And it was it was the silly thing. So you, you'd, you'd go into form tutor and you'd go and sit down and one of them would kick the chair away from you. Mm-hmm. So you'd land on the floor and then another one would push the table on top of you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then they'd give you a couple of kicks while you're lying there. And it's all like fun and games. Like, oh, look at Cole. Um, and then whenever I fired back, so I would take it and take it and take it. And then when I fired back, it was like, well, like coming in, it would go from fun and games to a bit more serious. And it's yeah. forward, actually. And I've only had probably two or three... I mean, the kids would say, oh, street fights, but yeah. scuffles at school. Yeah. Um, but most of the time, it would kind of get to the point where it should probably kick off. Mm-hmm. And then it didn't. It just, we was right on that point. Yeah. But I think if I'd fought everyone, if I'd slapped someone that had slapped me, or if I'd kicked someone that had kicked me, mm-hmm. or if someone called me an idiot, I kicked off. Mm-hmm. If I'd done that, I'd, I would have had three or four fights a day, yeah. every day, four years because that's what I was about to say you're, you're talking about you're going into form times to kick the chair away whatever but that wasn't something that was happening occasionally that was happening all the time every day yeah every day and it was the little things every day um, again they don't do it now but William Parker used to go and, William Parker was an all boys school yep. grammar school so when you'd done PE for example you'd go into the changing room get changed and you'd go and do rugby mm-hmm. cross country hockey and if you get covered in mud mm-hmm. come back Back then, you had to have a shower. Yep. So people would be listening to this now and going, what? <laughs> like, it's like, yeah. Yep. But back then, that's what you'd done. Um, and then you come out your hook and all your clothes are gone. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're like, where's my clothes? Oh, Rob's took them. Oh, Sean's got them. Like, can I have my clothes back? No, come yep. and get them. It was just that constant every day, like, digging and digging yep. and digging and like, do you know what I mean? It just made you feel horrible. Because every day you thought, oh, I've got PE, oh, I've got this, oh, they're in that class. So you, you, yeah, so you start to, you're looking ahead mm. and, and you're seeing the negatives, you're seeing the problems. Yeah. How, how come that didn't make you angry or aggressive? Or you're saying you could have ended up having three or four fights a day. Yeah. What was it that stopped that happening? Fear of, fear of hurting people, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, to start with, I just got angry and I wasn't strong enough. I didn't believe in myself enough mm. to lash out. So I'd done everything in my power not to lash out because I didn't want to get in a full-on fight. Mm. While I was being kicked on, like, kicked in my legs, hit with a chair, um, and I mean, like, you know, they'd pick up a chair and hit me with it. Yeah. I was good enough to block it and it hurt my arm, but 
know, you know, a sore arm was much better than a broken nose or yeah. a missing tooth kind of thing. So I always thought if I kick off, it will get worse. So just mm-hmm. absorb, absorb, absorb. And does that right? Adsorb, absorb. Don't know. I never get that word right. Um, so stay in school and listen, because then you'll get your words right. Um, <laughs> that's Charlotte always tells me. So as I started to get good at kickboxing, obviously I've become quite a lot more resilient, but I could actually fight back. Yeah. Um, which I still didn't want to because then the fear turned into well if I do punch someone or kick someone first of all I'm going to get in trouble mm-hmm. a second of all it's going to hurt or you know someone's going to get hurt yep. I don't just mean you know a bit of a graze on their face yep. you know, we're talking damage because you've got the skill you've got the technique you know yeah. what you're doing um, you know not being big headed when I was 14 um, I went from semi-contact to full contact mm-hmm. um, obviously semi-contact is points light you know, the first one gets a point, yep. that kind of thing, for the people that don't understand. But full contact is, as people would know, full contact boxing, you know, you punch each other as hard as you can to one of you's lying down, yep. and then the ref stops it. Yep. So when I was 14, I went full contact. And back then, you didn't really go full contact until you were sort of 17, mm-hmm. you know, child protection and yep. all that kind of stuff. Um, and none of my friends really would spar me. So I ended up hanging around with the older kids at the gym. I ended up sparring the older mm-hmm. children. So I was like 13, 14, and I was with 17, 18, 19 year olds yeah. plus. And I even remember my dad come down when I was, I'd just turned 14 and none of my mates would spar with me. My dad boxed in the army. Yeah. And uh, he's going to kill me for saying this. Um, but because my friends would spar with me, my dad said, well, I'll spar you. I'm fully grown adult, I'll take it. Yeah. And I knocked him clean out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah like I was banging out adults as a child so I knew I had heavy potential to hit people and it was like I can't go to school so if you were, if you were doing all of this because my video and I'm thinking back to, to my school days if someone was boxing if someone was being successful in you know, some kind of fighting sport it was kind of you know that was a certain respect a certain deference so why why do you know why the bullying continued and or were they just trying to sort of get you to respond were they trying to get you to wash out a hierarchy mm-hmm. so year seven eight were the the bullies from junior school going mm-hmm. into senior school um and again, like even going back to it, they might tell myself, oh, he's only having a laugh, he's only having a laugh, but it's that everyday compounding yeah. that was bad. You know, I was say getting hit with a chair or pushed over or I mean, they used to pick me up and throw me into lockers yeah. for fun. Yeah. You know, I'd cut my head open. I mean, I got thrown through um, a reinforced glass window. Right, okay. And I remember Mr. James, he was like, what did you do that for? And I'm like, what, what, what do you mean, yeah. what did I do that for? I've just been thrown down the stairs in, so you got like a, um, Tower block, so you've got obviously a, a towered set of stairs that spiral up and, um, you know, pushing, barging down the stairs mm-hmm. as, as the kids do. And obviously, I was target number one to be picked up and thrown yep. as a dart. Um, and yeah, I put my head straight through a reinforced glass window, mm-hmm. obviously, it's the one with the wire mesh yeah. in it. It cut my head, my, uh, it wasn't pouring out with blood, but there was blood on my shirt, there was blood on my head, there was glass everywhere. And that could have been so, so serious. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, technically it should have shattered my head open. Yeah. So I cut my head open or caused some skull down, it yeah. probably did. <laughs> um, that's why you're the way you are. Yeah, that's why I am. Uh, but yeah, obviously a teacher heard the commotion has come out of the classroom and I got told off for it because mm-hmm. I've smashed the window and I'm not 
obviously so I've like hold on a minute sir I'm like, yeah. I've just been, like, they threw me down the stairs and they're like yeah you must have headbutted it I'm like why would I headbutt yeah. a reinforced glass window one second of all you can see where like the impact of yeah. the glass is because the sort of glass had shattered here yeah. and the cut was here so what you think I sort of reversed headbutted the window for fun it's like well Cole you know what you like you're always getting in trouble rah, rah, rah. so yeah because um, we're, we're now in the early 1990s so mm. again the teachers the involvement in the school clearly wasn't it was kind of boys would be boys I presume was yeah. kind of the and, attitude and I think boy, you know, I think back then boys would be boys yeah. you know we would you know they, they, we was always having fun getting in trouble and having a laugh but I was when I got good at kickboxing basically what happened is so when, when we talk about the bullies from junior school we sort of continued in the senior mm-hmm. school and I remember I won I'd had four or five wins on the trot and then I got a British title and mm-hmm. I won the British title 94 I think mm-hmm. um and I remember being at the vending machine, getting um, some chocolate at the vending machine, and uh, Danny come up to me and he said, um, he said, you right, Carl? And I hadn't seen him mm-hmm. to talk to for probably six months. So I was like, all right, Dan. And he's, uh, he's went, oh, I see you won like, title. He was in the paper last week. I see you won the title. I'm like, yeah, cheers, mate. And he went, he said, we used to bully you. I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> he's like, I wouldn't do it. I, I wouldn't fucking do it now. I'm like, cheers. <laughs> yeah, it's good to know. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, so kind of what did happen, and I didn't really realise at the time, the the ones that wanted to be the cool kids and be hard mm-hmm. were the ones that bullied me because I was a target and single. Yeah. But when I, when I, I mean, I, we was in the paper every other week. We mm-hmm. was fighting every weekend. You know, we were winning tournaments, getting first places. Yeah. We'd do local shows so people get to know our names. Yeah. And me and Danny, Ross... Ian, Nick, we were a strong little team. We'd go and clean up mm. at shows. Like we'd come away with like five firsts, two seconds. Do you know what I mean? We'd do really, really well. Um, but then what happened is like the hard kids of the year, you know, the ones that are like six foot tall and they're 14 years yeah. old with a beard kind yeah. of thing, you know, big families, that kind of thing. They then started going, oh, you think you're well hard, don't you? And I'm like, no. And they'd be like, yeah, you, you know, you, you're a kickboxing champion. Like, I could beat you up. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. So it just moved on. So it just shifted and evolved. Yeah. So it moved from the cool kids that thought they were funny and hard to the kids that were hard mm-hmm. with the bigger families. Yeah. You know, they, they they were the kids that smoked. They were the kids that went out at weekends and yeah. drunk and stuff. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but um, I mean, I see them now and like, I get on with most of them mm-hmm. now. And they're all, you know, like we've all grown up. Probably send their kids to your classes. Uh, some of them do, yes. <laughs> yeah. And some of them have been brilliant. Some of them said, like, I can't believe what a dickhead I was. Yeah. Back in school. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That was then. That was then. You know, and I'll, I'll be where. You know? And honestly, most of them, it, it's walk around to the bridge. But one of the things that I find remarkable knowing you as I do is that there are many people who, having had that treatment, would have sort of kind of leaned down underneath the stone and sort of, you know, not done anything. Mm. Whereas you almost seem to have used that. I mean, first of all, how, as you were going through your teens, how were you feeling? How were you, what were your parents saying? Did, were they aware that this was going on? Or? <sighs> oh, difficult. I, my parents weren't about much. You know, they, they, we had a big mortgage, and that wasn't because we had a mansion. Just, mm-hmm. You know, they wasn't academically brilliant. You know, my dad was, 
you know, a gardener and a builder. My mum was a gardener. You know, yeah. they, they were busy with their business. Yeah. So we, I've always understood work ethic. Yeah. Get up at six, go to work. Yeah. We had students in the summer to pay, pay for the bills, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, you know, grandma and granddad didn't leave them any money. Mm-hmm. They were still about, so, you know, and they weren't yeah. rich. So we always had to work for our money. Mm-hmm. And my dad would drive to London every day. He'd leave the house at 6 a.m., go home at 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. So there were weeks, months when I didn't see him. Yeah. And then when mum was doing the gardening and looking after the students or she should be there, me and my mum argued all the time. <laughs> um, but she would just be like, well, just fucking hit them back. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's not advice because yeah. then I'm going to get expelled and then you're going to shout at me for being expelled and then you're going to ground me, which I won't listen to anyway. Um, so well, I mean, was, was that, so you just hit them back, was that a bit, you know, stand up for yourself? Yeah. Um, Be a man. Probably. I mean, my mum was a, uh, a proper redhead. Right. It was a standard joke that you yeah. could hear my mum shout my name from miles away. <laughs> so I mean, we'd be down the school playing in the year, like, cow! And they'd rip out of her. Yeah. Um, for, for, like, everyone was petrified of her because when she shouted, she went. You, you knew it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she was like the foghorn that brought us home. <laughs> um, so I probably had that far in me, but never had the confidence to allow that far to come out. To come out. Yeah. Um, and it still doesn't really until yeah. I get really pushed. Yeah. Um, I've got quite a long fuse. Yeah. And then when the fuse is gone, then mm. all hell's breaks. It would be, it would be yeah. about it. Which is probably like once a year. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it doesn't happen often at all. I mean, we, we spent quite a while, we spent about half an hour now talking about kind of the negatives of bullying. Yeah. And I think what you want to do is, is really sort of not to say you want to discuss the pluses of bullying is wrong, but. It's, it's about what that's done. I mean, how do you feel all that experience as a teenager, as a youngster, junior school, secondary school, yeah. all the rest of it, how, how do you feel that's shaped you? You said earlier on, it's kind of made me who I am today. How did it do that? Well, it's given me a backbone, I guess. Um, but I feel with anything we do in life, you have to be able to live it to understand it. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've lived the world of pain I've lived bullying I've lived not having a, mm-hmm. the mum and dad about as a support network yep. so I've, I've had to learn to stand on my own two feet which has made me the person I am today which is yep. probably why I have the business I have um, and why we help so many people so often mm-hmm. so I'm thankful for it now but back then yep. it didn't feel like that yep. um, like I'll, I'll always say to my instructors you know, to be, for example, to get your, your blue belt, you have to have at least three light fights. Because mm-hmm. if you're going to become a coach, how can you coach someone how to fight if you've never had a fight? Yep. Be a brown belt, you have to have a full contact fight, mm-hmm. even if you don't want to. Because how, how can you coach people? How can you be an instructor? Without having done it yourself. Without doing it yourself. You know, oh, well, that, that car's really fast, or that kettle's really hot. Well, you don't know how hot until you've tried it for yourself. Mm-hmm. So you have to walk the walk. Yep. And I think that's probably why we are where we are today, because mm-hmm. I've walked the walk and felt the pain, and yeah. I've gone through the days of, you talked about the pain. Um, you know, the, when kids go, I don't know what to do. Like I've walked across bridges yeah. and thought, well, if I fall off, I fall off. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a suicidal thought. Yeah. I wasn't like, I'm going to kill myself. Mm-hmm. But there's a bridge on St. Hens Road I used to walk along the pit like cars used to toot to me all the time yeah. and like people say, what are you doing get off I'm like that's fine yeah. and it wasn't like I want to jump off yeah. but it was well for four I don't really care yeah. so, so I mean, I've, yeah. been, I've been on that line I think yeah. Yeah. Um, so when, when we deal with children now I've, I, 
I understand the pain of that feeling of mm. being at that level. Yeah. So I can sort of I can be on their their level and understand yeah. their their pains, their yeah. thoughts, their feelings. You've been there, you've been to you understand yeah. exactly how they feel. Um and I only had that because no one else gives shit. Yeah. So why should I give shit? Yeah. Basically. That's probably what was in my head at the time. I don't know what was in my head at the time because mm-hmm. I was 13, 14 years old. But what I do know is when I went to the gym, it all disappeared. Whether it be for an hour or an evening, yeah. it just disappeared. And then the next day I'd start again. Obviously until I grew up. <laughs> I mean, an interesting one, you, you, again, we mentioned earlier the sports you tried out, you know, boxing, kung fu, um, karate, kickboxing. They're all quite violent sports. Mm-hmm. How do you justify, how do you balance taking part in violent sports with an anti-bullying policy? Because what you're doing in your classes is you are, you're teaching someone how to punch someone into unconsciousness yep. or kick someone into <laughs> unconsciousness. Um, yet at the same time, you know, discouraging that through bullying. So, so do, do you see there being a conflict or do you actually see huh? martial arts as being about restraint and, and you know, discipline and, and, and using your talents wisely? That's a great question and probably one I get challenged on. I used to get challenged on it daily, mm-hmm. um, but less so now. Exactly what you just said. How can we talk about anti-bullying and mm-hmm. not being violent, but yet we teach people how to punch and kick stuff? So I would say if we've got, say about 300 members a week, roughly, out of them 300 members, only about 30 of them fight, mm-hmm. compete. So that's only a 10% pool of fighters mm-hmm. over people that train. And as you know, at HKA, we are a family gym. So I would say out of the 90% that are left, 70% of them there are to lose weight, tone up, get fit, get rid of unwanted anger, stress, be a place where they belong. Excuse me. Um, so it's not the medium of fighting that where we start. The fighting is a byproduct of if you become good mm-hmm. and then you continue the sport on. So. We used to get it 10 years ago, we'd get people coming and go, I want to learn how to fight. But very quickly you, you worked out that they wasn't the sort of people that we wanted at that mm-hmm. gym. And there are a few other gyms about where they do have a pool of fighters, mm-hmm. but that's all, that, so that's all they have, that's wrong. But they're known for being a fighter's gym, which is fine. That's what they want to be. That's not what we want to be. Yeah. Um, and most of the children that come to us that are being bullied, it's about building up their self-confidence. But don't get me wrong, at the end of the day, if a child is being bullied and there's six kids kicking him, at what point do you turn around and go, well, hit him back? Mm. Oh, he got kicked in the shin. And I always say, look, if someone calls your name, walk away. If someone slaps you, walk away. Mm. Whereas some parents will go, if someone slaps you, slap them back. You know, I'll even say to the point, if someone punched you, just take it on the chin. Yep. smile at them and go is that all you want is that all you've got mm. even if you're crying inside yep. which is you know that's happened to me in the past like in, in you're going oh my god that really hurt but just say to them is that what you got I thought you were going to be tough yeah um, and normally that's enough certainly at a young age for them to feel demoralised and just diffuse diffuse, diffuse situation um, but at what point you get punched once you get punched twice his mate comes on and pushes you over so now you're on the floor at some point you will have to fight back and it's not actually, I mean, we work with um, some quite hard children at the moment that will fight probably on a regular basis. So probably they do. But 
they're not tough, they're not strong, they're not hard. They're just, it's like handbags at dawn. Yeah. Um, and it's just the anger. Mm-hmm. So we work with them on the anger. We burn their energy out. We get them hitting the bags. Again, they'll come in and I'm like, you're right. No, I've had a bad day. I've been chatting with my mum and my brother's an idiot and dad's walked out again. And all they want to do is hit something, a bag, a set of focus pads, you know. It's, it's a really interesting point you make there because my own sort of martial arts journey through sort of judo and things like that, it's, you could always tell when someone's had a bad day mm. because they always fight that bit harder. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there's a political connect mob who don't like this being said these days, but at some level there is a, a kind of instinctive thing about fighting in human beings. Yeah, definitely. I don't, I don't, doesn't, I don't care who you are. You could be the most calmest, relaxed, chilled out, laid down person in the world, but we all have stress. It's just at what level. Yeah. So, you know, some people might spill a glass of water and go mental over it, whereas others could write their car off and not give a monkeys. But we all have breaking points. Mm-hmm. And whether it be your friends, your family, your diet, your education, your job, we'll all carry stress driving to work, sitting in traffic. Mm-hmm drama that you've dealt with at the weekend. Um, and for me, you know, I say we teach 300, sometimes 400 people a week. And I can safely say 99% of them come into the gym, they leave feeling better because they have released whatever stress they're carrying for that day. Yeah. Like 100%. Yeah. And looking at HK, because I've been there a few times and you've had sort of big classes going and lots of kids in there. Yeah. And, and you're almost as a bit of a, Piper character. Everybody knows you. Everybody likes you clearly. What enjoys working with you. That's and, nice to hear. <laughs> well, I, 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 that, that comes over. That comes. Yeah. And again, that's the sort of thing I can see, which, which you you couldn't have if you were just doing this as a monologue. Yeah. Um, but it, it is something that I think you notice in the in, in the atmosphere of the place. But going back again to something you, you touched on earlier about self-confidence and kids who've been bullied lacking self-confidence and you having that empathy and understanding, yeah. presumably your self-confidence was damaged as a teenager mm. and, and even younger than that. So when those kids are talking to you about those issues, again, you know at a very fundamental level how they're feeling. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yes. And they're probably able to do something to, to, yeah. to help. Yeah. I suppose it's not about help, it's support. It's definitely support. I mean, today we had a group in and um, we sat down with, the, we had nine in today and we sat down with all of them for about 10 minutes and we just said, look, how are you finding the course? How do you find you developing? Is there anything like you haven't enjoyed? You know, what are you enjoying? How have you found your school life, your home life? Mm-hmm. Um, and most of them are like, yeah, I really enjoy it. My anger's become less. And these are challenging kids, yeah. bad home lives, um, really troubled at school, dyslexic, ADD, ADHD, all the letters you could throw at them. Um, you know, so they, I know what it's like sitting in an English class and not being able to read, mm-hmm. you know, a, a page out loud to the class. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously people take the piss out of you for it. So I do understand that pressure of that English math science at school. Yeah. And, you know, they're just so grateful to kind of be out of the education for a few hours mm-hmm. and, you know, have a positive role model that a lot of them said to me today, you know, dad doesn't care, but you actually care about me. Mm-hmm letting their anger out, hitting the bags, having some fun, blowing off some steam, yep. getting out of the system for a few hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I completely understand. And, and the work you're doing with some of the academies where you're just working with groups of, yeah. as it was, difficult youngsters, you've seen some really quite remarkable 
progress over a relatively short period of time. Yeah, again, sorry, we have, you know, we have had teachers say, but you're taking like John and Michael, um, they're really violent. They keep getting fights, they keep arguing, they keep kicking off, throwing chairs in the classroom. And you're taking them to a place where they're gonna punch and kick stuff and learn how to fight. And then now we've been there six months, they're starting to say, do you know what? He now sits in the class and listens. Mm. Because we've got rid of his anger, we've had a chat with him, mm-hmm. and now they actually understand that they can focus. We don't just teach them kickboxing. Yeah. And we'll help them understand that if they continue kicking off, they will get expelled and then they won't have an education. You know, mm-hmm. we'll say to them, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? Do you want a car? Well, yeah. Well, how are you going to buy your car? Well, get a job. Well, how are you going to get a job? Well, just get a job. But how? Yeah. Because you're expelled from every school in the town. So no one will employ you. Oh, well, I'll go and work at McDonald's. Like, there's even a waiting list at McDonald's. Yeah. You know, they have, because of employment and the town, you know, employers have the choice to employ who they want because there's a lot of people that want jobs. So, you know, even, oh, I wouldn't say the lower spectrum of job, that's wrong, but they thought that they could just go to McDonald's and get a job. Yeah, easy. easy and it's so. not that easy, or Tesco's or Sainsbury's or wherever. But, you know, they can pick who they want. And also, that if they have a bad reputation at school, that reputation is going to, to follow them because if they're getting references from teachers or whatever, yeah, um, you know that, that's that's not not going to be yeah. a good thing. I mean, we even teach them about that. So, for example, Johnny goes into class one and has an argument with the teacher. At break, that teacher will go to the classroom and go, oh, "I've just had a massive argument mm. with Johnny," and then the other teacher will go, oh, "I've got him in period two. So instantly, he's got a target on his back. That you know, it's just we. You all know how someone's going to be because, like you say, you build a picture up of them. So something we work on is to try and get them because we have the time to sit down with them and go, look, why are you stressing? And obviously, I can't go into details, but there'll be some very good reasons why they're angry. Mm -hmm. And when you sit down and have 20 minutes with them, you can go, well, no wonder he threw a chair on a teacher because actually, if you knew what happened at the weekend you would probably throw a chair at someone too because it's quite... And we're not talking about mum called him a name. We're talking quite serious stuff. So to get the understanding of that and then because they've explained it, because they've talked about it, they feel like they've got it off their chest. And it's not not necessarily the school's problem or fault because, you know, the English teacher hasn't got time to Mm. teach 35 children and then go and spend 20 minutes outside in the corridor talking to Johnny. Um, about what's happened at the weekend because they've still got a job to do. Mm. So it's easier for them to just have a go at them and exclude them yeah. or put them into isolation or 10-minute time out because they're not listening. They don't want to listen because they're dyslexic, ADD, and they've had a really bad weekend. Mm. So they do need that extra nurturing. Yeah. But I do understand why the teachers, you know, they, if I'm honest, I don't think they get paid enough. I don't think they have enough time mm. to do their job because their job's hard work. And too many things on the national curriculum that they have to cover to actually spend time doing that pastoral work. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, it's, it's, well, that's probably why they employ myself yeah, now yeah, to yeah. try and t- take that load away. And yeah, it just seems to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And we do more and more and more about it. Going back to your own experiences, when or how or did the bullying stop? It still goes on to that. <laughs> um, probably when I went into work, mm. and I still got bullied when I was at work, um, but 90% of it yeah. kind of stopped when I left school. Um, I left school and went straight into work 
Um, I'm not academic. Anyone that follows me or knows me will know that I wasn't particularly great at school. You've seen my spelling. If you follow me on Facebook, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. If you if you ever get a chance to read version one of my book when it comes out, you'll know. Um, but yeah, I wasn't academic. Um, I had a really strong work ethic. You know, I had three or four jobs as a kid. You know, I was head paper boy and run the paper shop when I was yeah. a child and that kind of thing. I had a car washing around. You know, I needed money. Mm-hmm. So when I left school, I went straight to work. And again, I worked really hard. Um, so all the school bullying stopped. There was a little bit at work, but again, I wouldn't call it bullying. I was just, mm-hmm. I'd just call it, you know, pecking order at work. Banter? Yeah, banter. Just quite a strong banter. Yeah. Um, and then that's probably when I started to understand about looking a bit better. Mm. Say so having better clothes. It's not about having better clothes, but it's not about wearing hand-me-downs. I suppose you, that's when you started to have control over that. Yeah, because I have my money. Yeah. You know, the first thing I've done is when I got a job, let's go when I got a job. Yeah. Remember Phillips, building kettles. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've got my first paycheck. And it's yeah. like £150 a week. Yeah. And back then I was like, wow, I haven't earned that in a year. Mm. I've got that in a week. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a right petrol head. I love my cars. So, you know, I started saving for cars straight away because mm. I knew it was going to cost me money. Yeah. But that was the goal. Leave school, get a job, buy a car. Mm. Car's happy. <laughs> Um, and at all of that time, your kickboxing career still still did Yeah, that's, 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 I still good. you know eat, sleep, breathe the gym. Yeah. So, kind of, we got you know so we I got good. My team around me, my family in the gym, we all got good at kickboxing. Mm-hmm. So we'd all go to shows and we'd do well. And then, because I was one of the strongest as a group, I guess at a younger age. I started hanging around with kind of the next level up. So when I was like 15, I was hanging around with like Nick and like Nick Sampson, Ian Ford and a few of the others, but they were like 17, 18. Yep. So they all had cars. Mm-hmm. So like if they would go out for the weekend to the cinema or they'd go swimming mm-hmm. as a group, I would go with them. Yep. So I actually spended more time with my older friends from yep. the gym, but I was doing older things. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I probably matured quicker. A bit more quickly, yeah. Um, you know, I moved out if I'm honest, when I was 15, 16, mm-hmm. like Jenny had a flat, started living with Jen. Yeah. Um, obviously mum hated it, dad didn't really care. I didn't care. Oh, he's, oh, he's gone. Yeah, <laughs> you know, mum didn't care, uh, dad didn't care, I didn't care that mum cared, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, and then Jenny was renting um, at the age of 17. I said, why don't you buy a flat? And she's yeah. like, oh, I can't buy a flat. And back then it was a two bedroom masonette, yeah. 28 grand. And I was like, yeah, but you're paying like 400 pound a month rent. Mm-hmm. You could get a mortgage for three hundred pound a month. It makes sense. Yeah. And she's like, you know, back then getting a mortgage at like, you know, I was seventeen, she yeah. was twenty, a bit older than me. Um, but back then that was insane. Mm-hmm. All my mates were going out with their cars, getting drunk, yeah. spending their money, clothes, and I was like, well, let's get a mortgage. So I bought my first house then because mm-hmm. I said, well, I'll buy it with it. And then, Development. yeah. But I, I guess that was kind of, I guess probably the start of my business brain yeah. actually really going right. Let's kind of make a bit more of a stand. Just one final point on, on, on that period of your life. Um, and it, and it, the thing we, we said about work and the bullying continued, but, but that sort of being, you know, where does bullying, where does banter cross into bullying? Yeah. Is that something you can define? Because we all, we all banter with our mates yeah. and the people I think we are most... Say some of the nastiest things to yeah. are, are, are those probably closest to us. Um, 
so can you define, do you know, can you put your finger on the point at which banter becomes bullying? I suppose the straight answer is no. Mm-hmm. Um, but it will be, I think, on when the person you're aiming at takes offence. Mm-hmm. So if it's your best mate calling you an idiot, yep. you'd laugh it off. Mm-hmm. If it's a complete stranger calling you an idiot, you'd take quite offence to it. Mm-hmm it's still the same word, it's still the same name, and they still might have the same point. It's context. Yeah, but who's it come from? Yeah. So I think, I I mean, nowadays we talk about the snowflake era, Mm. you know, the the iPads, iPhones, people all the time, they get offended so quickly. Mm. Um, And I think that's because they've lost their hardened shell because everyone will sit on the keyboard or press buttons and have a go at each other. So I think it comes down to the individual. Yeah. I know people that will take an awful lot before they even bite or talk about bullying. It's not bullying, it's just banter. Yeah. You know, your mates can say what they want because it's your mates. Yeah. If it's someone you don't know, mm-hmm. it's not so nice, is it? Yeah. So it's a tough one. And I think it depends on your resilience. So what we get most of now, I say most of, I reckon 50% of what we take on at HKA is a parent will come to me and say, well, he's just a bit weak. He's a bit of a wimp. Mm-hmm. Someone called him a name and he cried, or you know, he doesn't want to walk to school by himself, or he's going to big school next year and he's a bit of a pedal. And it's just that resilience. I think I do think we are losing our resilience as we get older because you go out less because going outside is worse. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nasty people in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the internet that you can see everything. You know, anyone pretty much any age can pick up an iPad and pretty much watch whatever they want. Yeah. You know, we've got eight-year-olds, seven-year-olds playing like GTA mm-hmm. games where like, I've done a podcast about it the other week you've got an eight year old that thinks it's okay to go to a strip club and shoot people and beat people yep. up um, and that's become the norm but it's all on a computer so you know the days of going down the park and falling out of a tree I've taken the wheelbarrow with the taking a wheelbarrow bow on how and nails. do you know if I, if I hit my finger like do you know what I mean like, yeah. I, just, I just think it's changed and I think a lot of people are losing their resilience, even to the point where parents will be like, oh, could you have a word? I'm not like, well, he's been a bit naughty. And I'm not, I, I will, but it's your kid. You're the parent. You're the parent. Like, I'm just the, like, they get what's the And they're like, yeah, but he listens to you. Do some parenting. Yeah. I mean, literally last week, I bless them, uh, a parent said to me, can you have a, a word with my two? I'm like, yeah, what's up? Well, they've been a bit naughty at home. So there's that part of me that goes, well, you're the parent. Mm-hmm. They're your child, sort them out. And then there's that part of me that says, actually, I'm really honoured mm-hmm. that they, A, feel that I'm worthy enough to speak to their children. And I'm also, obviously, it's very nice to know that the children respect us enough to listen. So this, th- these two children, I said, can I have a quick word? They're like, yeah, I said, come in the office. And you can see them go, mm-hmm. oh, no, I'm in the office. And um, I literally, I literally, I sat down and went, right, do you know why, why I've sat you down? And they're sort of looking into their feet. And I'm like, come on, why are you here? And they're like, um... I'm like, what's mum and dad said? And they're like, we've been naughty. We've been naughty. I'm like, right, and are you going to do it again? And they're like, no. And I feel, I feel really, really bad. Their daughter just burst into tears. I didn't, I literally, I said it as calmly and as yeah. softly as that. I didn't, and I said, look, I'm not telling you off. I'm just letting you know that mum and dad aren't happy. But why, why was that so much more of an impact than mum and dad telling mm. them? Yeah. I don't know. But for whatever reason, it, it had that impact. And it's, I'm amazed by it, even now. I even sort of 
sort of pinch myself and go. Which is basically the point I was making out about the Pied Piper, and and I think you. Know, yeah. You probably, I suspect you probably aren't aware of just quite how those no. kids sort of woke up to respect you. Yeah. But it's meant like, it's, like it is oh, meant to. Like, I, I can't, I don't understand it. I don't know why. I mean, it's lovely that they respect me that enough and I can have that power, mm. if that's the right word to use. Yeah. Um, you know, just, but knowing just that soft little word. And I don't like to shout, I try not to shout. Yeah. Um, I will do if I have to, but I'd rather yeah. softly say to someone, like, what are you doing? Yeah, that was what you shout. Like, what, what are you doing? Think about what you're doing. So, you know, you're, you're, you're into your 20s, you're working, you've been training for all these years, so you take the decision to set up your own club. You become an instructor, you... you, you sort of. <laughs> you decide to do your own thing. Yeah. I mean, presumably in the early stages, you were just, and I don't use the word advisedly, but, but just the kickboxing club. Yeah. The, the additional stuff, so the, the anti-bullying, the, the pastoral stuff you do, yeah. wasn't there at the time. So at what stage in the development of HKA did you look at things and say, well, actually, we need to have a bit of, I hate this word, it's a very modern word, <laughs> but we need to have a more holistic approach? Um... I think it was just a slow transition, probably for want of a better word. So there was no big road to Damascus. No, 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 no. It wasn't. It wasn't like a, a light bulb moment. Yeah. Oh, we need to enter Billion. Um, and in all fairness, when we actually started talking about it, I actually didn't want to kind of say go down that road. That's wrong. I'm saying it, but I didn't want to. Um, I didn't want to become like people of pe- This is other people's words. Mm-hmm. Said like the anti-Billion ambassador. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to be that. That's not. I don't want to be poor you and poor them. I just want to do my passion, which is kickboxing. But obviously, what we were finding is more and more people needed our help. Mm-hmm. And a large part of that was because of bullying and mainly low self-esteem, which manifested from bullying. Yeah. So it was kind of a logical step, but we didn't have a light bulb moment. We didn't turn around and say, we need to be doing this. Yeah. And when back then it wasn't we, it was more me. Yeah. Um, you know, kickboxing was a fitness fun place to be and it still is, mm-hmm. but that's what it was. And then just over time, it's become, people have said, oh, Carl really helped with my son and daughter. Go and give him a shout. And so I'll get a phone going, oh, you've really helped out my, our friend Sam with her young two. Would you be able to help us out? I'm like, yeah, of course I can, bring them along. Yeah. And I guess here we are today. It builds from there. Yeah, and I, when we become the academy many years ago, because we were, we were Hastings Martial Arts, mm-hmm. um, and as we grew and grew, my old instructor basically said that I could run the gym. So I kind of fell into it, took over, um, and it grew, and I didn't actually realise what was happening. And then eventually I was told that I had to change the name because his business was still called that, and his business partner said, you've, you've got to get him to change his name, he's growing too big, and all you ever see now is Cole Denny, Hastings Martial Arts, and not our business. So I had a meeting with him years ago, and he said, look, you need to change your name. And it hurt, it hurt so much. Because I've only ever known HMA, 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 HMA. So when we changed it, it was horrible. Mm. Like we, everyone's like, oh, what a cool name. And I'm like, I hate it. Uh, to start with, I hated it. Um, it was the best I could come up with, but. <laughs> and again, in terms of the development, in terms of your progress, because talking about the, the self-confidence to do things, and even just the self-confidence to get you buying that first flat at the age you were, mm. was there a, point because this is the thing I said earlier about you know many people having gone through the bullying that you had gone through would would not have would not have had the self-confidence to do the things so 
are you aware of, of what you did to kick against that negative? No. Again, it was just something that evolved. I still do it today. Yeah. I'm 40 this year, and I st- there's still things that I fight against. I might have, oh, should I do that? Don't know if I should do that. And Charlotte's in the front room working for home today. She, uh, you know, she's like, oh, should we do that? Or don't know if you should do that. And I tend to kind of fight against the curve quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going back to that resilience in respect to, I want to prove everyone wrong. So at senior school, when everyone's doing their exams and their mocks and, you know, everyone's picking their, what they're going to do when they're going to be older. Obviously there's no way I was going to be, you know, an English teacher or, you know, working in London. Um, I was like, well, I want to be a kickbox instructor. And they're like, you can't be any kickbox. That's not a job. So I'm like, yeah, but that's what I want. You asked me what I want to be. That's what I want to be. Yeah, but you need to pick a real education. I'm like, well, you know, a real job that will earn you real money. And I'm like, I don't care about the money. You've asked me what I want to be. That's what I want to be. The other thing was a fireman. Mm-hmm. Um, but my yeah. eyes aren't bad. You got a bit short for that. Well, back then, yeah. Back then you had to be 5'7". So, um, and I'm 5'6 and a half in the morning. <laughs> Um, so it could be a farm and, um, and believe it or not you have to have really good English right um, and I was like what to put out fires yeah. I and mean, I just wanted to go and put out fires save people from burning buildings yeah. you know that you know I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie and, but it, that wasn't meant to be so back to my other option which was kickboxing um, and I didn't know that was going to happen I didn't think it was going to happen but my point was if someone told me I couldn't do it I'd do everything in my power yeah. to prove that I could do you think some of that drive and that drive is still there because you got your fourth down last year, for example. Uh, third. Sorry, third. Third, no. Oh, I'd like to be fourth. Oh, okay. well, so, yeah. but, so that drive that makes you do things like that, is that still a little bit about showing those bullies from your early years? You know, yeah, you didn't think much of it then, but look what I've done now. Yeah, okay. yeah I guess. Um, it's not, you know, I don't do it because of that, mm. but they're probably... But just a, some, somewhere there at the back of the, the your sort of subconscious. I love... You know, when we used to jump our bikes, everyone thought you'd never make that jump. So I'd be the one that goes, yeah, we can. I can do that. Yeah, we can. And if we don't, then we're going to learn that that's the maximum. <laughs> that's the limit. Phone, phone the boundaries. Phone, phone yeah. the, the edges. Yeah. It? But I talk about this with my fight team, like, you know, where are our breaking points? Mm. And talking about driving a car fast, you know, I drive reasonably quickly, that I'd say. And so if you go around the corner at 40, some people are like, oh, you're going too quickly, slow down. Whereas I'd be like, I'm still going slowly. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone else, like Lewis Hammond, might be going, oh my God, like, you're going at snail's pace. And what's the limit? The limit is when you crash. The limit is when you burn out. Mm-hmm. So you go around the corner at 40. I know people that say it's too quick. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I know I can do it at 50. So you do it at 50, you start to screech. You do it at 55, you start to lose control. You do it at 60, you crash. But at 40, you're nowhere near the limit. Yeah. And the only, I personally feel, the only time you really find your limits or your boundaries is when you push to that line mm-hmm. and step over it. Because otherwise, if you never get to that limit, how do you know that's the limit? And competition does that a lot because you, yeah. and especially in a sort of one-to-one sport with kickboxing, you are, it's you and the other guy. So yeah. you know, the, the limit, you, you have to know what your, what your limits are. Yeah. both in terms of what you can give and what you can take yeah my, you know, I have to know my team's limit I have to know at what point are they going to stop as well yeah. but the only way we find that is by pushing them past it which is horrible obviously we don't do that with every member but my fight team that are in 
that the British Opens or fighting for British titles. George has just gone into Queensbury. Like he's fighting at a very high level. He's fighting pro fighters. I need to know where George's limit is without him, without him even knowing yeah. because I need to protect him. But I also need to know how far I can push him, you know, how far that engine will go before it blows yeah. because you can keep pushing. And the body is so resilient if you allow it to be pushed. Mm. But you just got yeah, you're like the, the, the mind goes on before the body. Oh, yeah, we, as you know, yeah. as you know from your martial arts days, you know, your, your brain will give up. So again, if you're doing a sparring drill, a bag drill, a focus pad drill, a burpee drill, something that would kill you, like, you'll go and you'll go and then you'll give up. But then five seconds later, you can go again. It might only be for another 10 seconds, but at that point where you're going to pop, you go, oh, God, that's enough. Yeah. But So when you're fighting, you get stopped and you give up. Then a second later, you're like, no, no, I'll go again. Mm. Then it's like, well, you've given up. And it's, under, it's almost training your brain not to give up and have resilience. And obviously the SAS talk about it. Um, you know, Foxy and, and Middleton talk yes. about that all the time. And the books have been fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So that little ginger kid who's been bullied in the school playground and people would steal his Coca-Cola bottle. <laughs> what's next? Where, uh, that's a horrible cliche question, but you know, where, where next to HKA, where do you see it being in 10 years time? Um, honest answer, I don't know. Um, I wouldn't. I didn't think I would be where I am today, last year, and then I wouldn't have thought that the year before and the year before. HK continues to grow, as you know. 2019, last year, was a massive year for growth for me, and I've been hurt a few times, like in business, and it's kind of made me keep everything really close to me. And no, you know, it's my baby. No one can have it, and that's not because I was precious about it, but because every time I've kind of opened the doors up. I've kind of got hurt mm. so the doors close again yep. and you don't know how to happen so last year I've been on a bit of a journey for myself to allow myself to grow but I have a breaking point you know I can't talk to 300 members each week I can't teach 300 people and give them 100% of me all the time it's impossible so over last year I've learnt to kind of open them doors again I've learnt to have staff come on board I mean last week we collectively we've done about 50 PTs mm. And at the time, when I say at the time a year ago, I'd be like, I can't let anyone else do it. Or, but what was happening is people were losing out because they only wanted me and I could only give them me. But obviously now we've trained staff up good enough that are as good as me, if not better in some in regimes to what they can teach. Um, and now we can teach more people because we have a better start, you know. You can go to a restaurant and have like one person that was the cook, the chef, the person on the front desk, the, the till lady, the bar staff, you know, you have to have a team. So last year I learned about building a team and I don't know where that team is gonna go next year. But what I do know is last year was probably the best, well, it was the best year we've ever had. A little bit stressful for me because I've learned that I've had to manage. So I've got a new job, new role as well as being an instructor yeah. and um, so yeah I've learned myself and even today you know I've had to change a few things about just to kind of make it work but that's part of growth that's part of learning and I've signed up to like Rob Moore's course and I'm learning from other people that are much higher than me yeah. you know people always talked about I don't want a franchise but people said about opening like a second gym or allowing someone else to coach even six months ago I would have gone no not a chance not a chance but I'm not saying never Mm -hmm. but it is a possibility I've got people like in Spain asking me to go and teach them obviously I can't just go to Spain for a yeah. week 
but that's kind of where we're starting to get to. Yeah. Um, because again, the offering, the, the product that you offer is, is quite a unique one because you know, there are other places in town where you can go and you can learn to kickbox or you can learn to box or yeah. whatever, but it is that much wider and obviously coming out of your own experiences, that's why it's the way it is, but there is that wider offering that you're giving that and as it's providing that sort of pastoral care support and the numbers you know to have 300 members and there are times you go into your place and there's barely room to move yeah it's uh it has been pretty insane it, 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 it must get to a stage sometimes where you, where you sort of walk in there and have this just real sense of satisfaction that you know what i have created yeah. is working i i still remind myself every week where i've come from and you know, training in a dirty, horrible, rented hall that would give you splinters. And it, do you know what I mean? Like from the, way back in the day and, you know, getting up at 6am, working till 5pm and then going to the gym and working till 9pm and then coming home and doing more. I, I remind myself to have worked BT for 17 years as well, while the, the two balanced, or not balanced as the case may be. Well, um, so some of the, I remember again, working at your social media feeds and we were sort of training at your little gym in the hive at that time. Yeah. And, you, and you were doing that full-time job with BT yeah. and then finishing that and then doing effectively another full-time job in yeah. the evening running HKA. Yeah. Um, you know, to, to do that and to, to do that over the period of time you did it is no mean feat. No, no. And I, you know, Charlotte, the wife, towards the end was saying like, something's got to give, mm. like you're starting to burn out. And I was like, no, I'm not, oh, I'm fine. I'm, yeah. You know, crack on. And I'm, I'm happy to work. Yep. every hour God sent as you know 3am up wide awake doing paperwork and stuff but yeah I was doing like well over 100 hours mm. a week you know sometimes 110 plus yeah. I think the maximum was like, 100, like 17, 117 hours it was, <laughs> it was insane yeah. um, but I maintained that I was doing 100 hour weeks for a couple, couple of years mm. and again just because it slowly you know I had BT which was a 40 hour week job and then I had kickboxing which was a 15 hour a week mm. and then the next year it was 20 and the yeah. next year it was 30 it just crept up. and yeah it just cracked up and you just slowly get used to it um, so when I left BT four years ago mm. obviously that was a massive transition scary oh. scary step losing all of that guaranteed money holiday sick pay tools pension yeah all the safety nets all the safety gone. nets yeah um, to to chase that dream and don't get me wrong I, I'm so glad I made that step. But but actually, you see that was a scary step to make, and it was a big step to make. But talking about a number of the other things you've done during your life, actually, it's, I'd have been surprised if you hadn't. It's, it seems a very Carl Denny-ish thing to do. Yeah, I, I guess it does, and I guess kind of as I've got older, obviously marriage, divorce, two children, that I obviously mm. see five days a week, but I guess, because of that, it wasn't a, I'm scared of leaving my job. Mm. It was, I'm scared of losing my job, or leaving my job, losing my guaranteed wages, and therefore not being able to pay the maintenance money, yeah. not being able to buy them clothes when they need it, mm. go away for the weekend. Am I gonna be able to give my daughters what I'm giving them now? If I'm working hard, yes, yeah. I can. You know, BT was good wages, and kickboxing was doing okay. Yeah. So I was doing all right. but. Losing that BT, all of a sudden, mm. things got a bit tight for a little while. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was an educated risk, one that I thought about for many years. I'll leave at Christmas, I'll leave at Easter. <laughs> oh, I'll leave next year. Yeah. Yeah, a year later, I'm yeah. still there. Yeah. So it was 
an educated risk that took a long time mm -hmm. and it was I wanted to make sure that I could provide for my family still mm -hmm. I didn't want to be one of them dads that like say to Jen well I can't give you maintenance money this month yeah. because classes have been quiet mm -hmm. and that's, that was the thing then at kickboxing you know one day you could have 25 and the next day you could have 5 mm -hmm. so you think so I've I've gone and worked for four hours for a tenner because mm. you know that's, yeah. that's where it was so I guess then my brain then went into right we need to grow we need to build I need to be better at my job I need to be better at coaching I need to help more people yeah um, which I have done my whole life anyway but that's kind of I guess where my brain naturally went to yeah. well great so whatever the next step is good luck with it I'm sure it's going to be fascinating <laughs> who knows it's going to be exciting um yeah, I don't know where it's going to be. My staff don't know where it's going to be. I guess just continuous, continuous to growth and development. Yeah, um, and I love, I love what we do. I wouldn't change it for the world. So, brilliant, Carl. It has, as always, been a pleasure and fascinating as well. So, thank you very much for giving us your time. Well, th no, thank you for coming and talking to me and kind of dissecting my life a little bit. Lots of people ask me all the time. Yeah. And obviously I don't normally have a spare two hours to sit down and tell them and obviously I'd have to do that a thousand times over. And there's not many people I'd kind of really trust or want to sit down and kind of go through that with. So, you know, I appreciate you coming in and kind of helping talk with talk with me through it. I've enjoyed it. No, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's chat, have any questions or feedback for us or would like to be on one of our podcasts, leave a review and we will happily get back to you. If you would like more details on how Hastings Kickboxing Academy can help you or a family member, find all our contact details in the show notes. Make sure you subscribe to HKA's Kickstart Your Confidence podcast. And remember, it's not just a sport, it's a way of life. Thank you.